Rogers Business App Market brings together the right apps for your business and wraps it all up with Rogers world-class support. Microsoft Office 365 makes it easy. Whether you need to securely store and backup files, access or share documents in the cloud, collaborate with your team or manage your business from anywhere and on any device. Plus, with support from Rogers, you'll get everything up and running quickly. To learn more, visit rogers.com forward slash business apps. Scotiabank understands that business is personal and your business has unique needs. That's why we offer flexible solutions for your business banking. Create your own business banking package that works for you by opening an account online in minutes with ease and start saving today. Visit scotiabank.com forward slash small business to get started. Here to give you a first-hand glimpse into the future of Canadian business, it's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular show listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Google Play Music and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I'm Rivers Corbett and entrepreneurship is part of my DNA. Whether it's building my own companies or helping other entrepreneurs build theirs, this is my lane. Want to connect after the podcast? You can find me at www.meetrivers.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show. We're coast to coast to coast and around the world. We really hang out with the changers, the makers, and just freaking cool people that are hanging out in the entrepreneurial space. And this kind of has, for those of you that are of my elk, a Jetsons feel to it as I was preparing to get ready for it about about the terminology, about the focus of TV blending, uh, of, uh, of all kinds of elements associated with uh, with tying in TV and uh, production and art and so on. And it's just going to be a fun conversation all around if you followed me with that. Just really thrilled to have a veteran on our call today who has scaled a number of successful uh, software companies in Ottawa. Jason Flick has been all about disrupting the status quo right on, which has led him to co-found UITV, which is driving the nation's 
biggest TV industry partners today. The company's flagship product, UI Engine, has thought to have blended art and technology so well together that it continues to push the forefront of the future of TV. Also bringing in 25 years of technical and business leadership, Jason is the active mentor and contributor to the Ottawa startup community, one of the most amazing startup communities across the country, and believes success of small business and entrepreneurship will be essential to the Canadian economy in the future. You are in the right place, Jason. This is our audience, and I am definitely excited about talking about entrepreneurship, about UITV, about you as a person. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much. Very glad to be here. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome conversation. So look, I want to I want to dive into UITV right away because uh, it's it's first of all such a great name, uh, but second of all, by the sounds of combining art and technology. So to, can you can you talk to us about that proverbial aha moment where you said, "I got to do this." Yeah, I mean the the origins of the company was we, we saw the iPhone and we and of course back this is uh, ten years ago BlackBerry Nokia hard to imagine those were smartphones and a, f- a few elite geeks and CEOs had them and we saw this iPhone and said this is a game changer my my, uh, my kids were one and two and they just loved the interface just touching it it was a game to them and we said we've got to make this available for everybody and that was really that moment and my co-founder uh, Stuart Russell rocket scientist awesome guy. Um, he had some technology. I had hired him just when I meet brilliant people, I just, you got to come on board. So I just hired him right on the spot. And about eight months later, iPhone launched. We said, we've got to do a business around this. And, uh, mm. that's how it started. And so what is it? It, I mean, we, we've taken um, the, the idea of a beautiful user interface yes. and we do it with kind of like video game technology. So it, app market today, if you want to build an iOS app, you ramp up 10 people, they build an iOS app. It's pretty good. You want to do an Android, you get to ramp up even a few more. It's not quite as good. And then if you look at the other platforms like um, Samsung TVs and Xbox and PS4 and Roku and Amazon Fire, all those other, other, other platforms, they all have their own development environments and yes. it's compromise everywhere. But video games, which is, you know, about 80% of the apps always start with a video game engine and they're beautiful and identical everywhere. Candy Crush, Angry Birds, yes. Call of Duty. So we said, why don't we build an engine for apps that lets them do that everywhere? And no one else has done it. It was, of course, way more audacious than we knew it was going to be. <laughs> right. And we'll talk about that journey. But um, yeah. yeah, that's what we did. And, and it's it gives us a very <laughs> big differentiator. And ultimately, you mentioned TV. I mean, it, the biggest hit is TVs. I mean, everyone wants to complete with Netflix. Netflix yes. has 2,000 plus engineers. Most of these media companies don't don't have that. So with our tech, they can truly compete with Netflix. You know, Jason, I am, we had a, we had a little uh, preamble conversation. Dude, I pressed a button when I introduced you and started talking about UITV, and you have gone to warp speed, energy, <laughs> uh, enthusiasm, and it's so awesome to feel your passion through this conversation right now. I, I, I'm, you know, you, you can tell that it's it really is a labor of love and passion. So, so let's continue the journey with uh, with when you say you're, you're driving the nation's biggest. TV industry partners. What, what does that mean? 
Yeah. So if, if you look at what's happening in this space and, and we're all living it in TV, right? If, if 10 years ago, if you wanted good TV content, you got a set top box with a yeah. Com- Commodore 64 like interface, which I'm sure many of your listeners probably remember those. And that's, and yeah. that was it. That's how you got premium content. And then right. Netflix came out and changed all that. And so, um, now everybody is delivering everything everywhere. And so we're working with some of the biggest sports brands to bring rich experience on all those different platforms. Ultimately, this is about as every industry is, it's about users winning, right? They want, they don't want their content locked in a crappy box. That's hard to access. They want it everywhere, anywhere, all the time. And I think that's the overall uh, theme you're seeing in every company. Now that's where the entrepreneurs should be racing is areas where huge companies can't innovate enough and yes. do like us. And I think a lot of Canadian companies do kind of being behind the scenes empower these giants to be what they need to be or do it yourself, right. And go, go direct and, and take care of that. So uh, we want to kind of drive that change even faster inside TV and, and it's a win for everybody. What's the age of UITV? Um, so we're about seven and a half years old. It was kind of spun out of my other company, which kind of incubated a bit, which helped a little bit. Sure. But yeah, and, and it wasn't a straight path. Our vision didn't change. <laughs> our, our, our aspiration didn't change, but how we, we deliver on this. And we weren't UITV when we started. We were UI Labs because we knew we had cool tech that solved a really fundamental problem. Right. But we needed to find the right market. And so now we're UITV. What is UITV? What's the, what's the brand? Yeah. yeah so name. it's funny. It's, um, you know, depending how, where somebody sits inside an organization, it takes them sometimes a, a day, sometimes a few weeks to figure it out, but then they're having conversations with us and they go, Oh, it's not you and I, it's UI <laughs> and it's user interface. Ah. You guys do UIs. And then they go, ah, yes. And so a lot of our customers call us U.I because they're saying, well, let's get a better UI. Let's upgrade the UI. Let's do it. And then so, but it's a play on user interface, which is really where we live. It's, it's this idea of living on the glass is kind of what we call it now. And, and uh, what's common theme through the documentation that I got in preparation for our chat today was the reference to blended art and technology. Can you, can you talk a bit about the, or talk as much as you want about it? Because sure. I, th- I think it's a, it's, I mean, talk about opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. I mean, so it's a topic I'm passionate about. I think if you're not embracing and mixing the two, it's going to be a challenge. There's so much choice out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually did a Ted talk on this. Uh, I I called it the combination of art and business, which people go art and business. That doesn't make sense. You say art and science. They, of course you should mix art and science and it sounds nicer coming off the tongue. But if your business (laughs) isn't blending art and into your uh, business, it's going to be very hard to succeed in this new era. Users have choice, um, just technically doing it. So, you know, my entrepreneur, days go back 20, 30 years. And, you know, 20 years ago, if you just could technically do it, wow, you could sell it. Like, and I think that was really a heyday for a lot of tech companies. Hey, yeah, it sucks. You don't even like using it, but it did it and saved you money. (laughs) That's not the case today. It's got to be beautiful. They have to want to use it. And why shouldn't they? So to me, that's really the key thing. But we, we have a 18 person art team out of a, you know, 180, 200 people, and they blend across a whole organization. Our customers use them with some from time to time time. Our marketing team uses them. Our product team uses them. We use them for, for blog posts and stuff. So I, I think, you know, if you're looking at your 10th hire, your 20th hire, if you haven't got up some art people, and I just use that in the vaguest of words, senses, get them. It, it, you can't just be a great tech company uh, quicker, faster. Yes, there's a, um, I'm, I'm based out of the city of Fredericton and uh, there's an accelerator program here called the Summer Institute. And that's one of the things they bring in is art 
our artist in residence, not just the entrepreneur in residence, but the artist in residence. And uh, that's just reinforcing exactly what you say. It was great leadership. And there's some great results that are coming out of that. The challenge with it is that in this particular case is that, is that the students get so enamored with the art piece, they forget about doing the business part, which is ultimately about selling. Um, the, uh, you're, you're, can you talk to us about, uh, well, first of all, when you were saying 25 years, I was talking to somebody uh, a little earlier this morning. I'm 54, and the gentleman I was talking to is 51, and he t- he loves to tell uh, n- younger entrepreneurs. He says, "I was a pre-internet entrepreneur," and and they would they would look at him as if, "Wow, you could actually build a business before there was an internet." <laughs> yep, they call them farmers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my first business was on news groups, which I had to dial in through a BBS, and I know. Uh, anybody over 40 <laughs> something's going to know BBS's. So, yeah, yes, that's my first business. Oh, that's brilliant. So who was your first customer? And you don't necessarily say their name, but I mean, you know, this seven years ago, uh, you were bridging and you were connecting with a need, uh, an, un, an unserved need, underserved need. You were bridging uh, opportunities. Tell us about that first customer that said, okay, I get it. Uh, and then what did that relationship Look, and the reason I ask that is that you see so many entrepreneurs giving it away for free in order to say, I got this customer. Can you talk a bit about that that first part of your journey? Right. Well, yeah, that's almost two. I have two little stories I can give for that. So I mean, let's our, do our, it. Yeah. So our um, our first, I mean, we we had to we did whatever we need to to kind of get the company off the ground at the beginning. We did some device driver stuff. We did augmentations for this and that. But our first big win, and we had to do it in Canada because um, that's all the budget we had was Kobo and they, when ebook readers were hot and they, and they wanted a better user interface. And so we did that for them, but you know, that market died pretty quickly too. So then looking at that first win, validating that our tech did a great result, but that wasn't scalable. Um, and I think our, our first big win in this space was actually show me, which is now come and gone in Canada. So can talk pretty openly about it, but, um, you know, getting them to understand and believe that their differentiator was going to be user experience, which, you know, there was a bit of a dicey moment early on. We, they, they, saw the value in our tech and how it could help. But then they put us and we'd, we'd found this out by talking to them. And I think having frank chats with your clients, your early adopters is so mm. important. And he had, he had said, well, we love your stuff, but it's, it's a nice to have <laughs> and it's risky. And I'm like, oh, those are yeah. buckets you don't want to be in. So he <laughs> gave me one, one chance to go for dinner with them that about three days before they're going to make the decision. I had to fly to Toronto and get out of that bucket. So I said, you know, here's where I think your real differentiators. And I was able to convince him that user experience was the number one thing. And when you look at the show me launch stuff, whatever that was three years ago, it was all about user experience. So we kind of helped them agree that that we had to help them see that. And then the risk thing I said, mm. you, you tell me. What is it? We'll do whatever it is you want to de-risk the one thing you think is that. And I think just even the confidence to to say that, um, Mm. and he never came back with one and and we won that one, um, which I, I think was, was big. And then the other one was giving it away. And I think, you know, the one hard thing that everyone struggles with is if, if it's free, it's easy to do it and sell it and get them to use it, but they don't respect it. Anytime I've done zero value deals, it didn't deliver what experience I wanted. So try and charge them that it means you got to find a real problem, but that's not, that's the good thing, right? If you're solving something they're not willing to put any money towards, I don't know if it's an opportunity I'd want you to chase, right? Wow. Wow. I love it, but they won't respect it. Brilliant. Brilliant. So you've obviously 
uh, I don't. I, <laughs> I know you. I know what you're going to say as soon as I say mastered the process of sales. I guess it's always an evolving process. But you know, it's it's the one amongst a few. But there's it's it's a it's a one dominant weakness that I find in organizations, particularly those that are that are beginning, that they really don't spend a lot of time in understanding the sales process, let alone executing the sales process. Um, what what has worked for you uh, as a hack, if you could call it, that may, may be so freaking obvious, but people just forgot about it? Yeah, I mean, one of the hardest ones, and it applies across the whole evolution of time, but I think there are different, significantly things you need to do different as you scale. But early on and throughout the whole process, especially early on, be really um, – uh, aggressive about who you choose to spend your time with. So we, wow. we had we had this rule of thumb. So let's just use um, uh, either show me or Kobo as an example because I've mentioned them. Okay, list the 50 things you got to do for that project. And it's like hire people. It's like get it funded. It's get the hardware. It's get graphic, whatever, like 50 things. Is one of the top three in there get a beautiful user interface on it? Mm. And if it's not, just don't talk to them because they're not going to value what we value. And, and then the second wow. one is make sure you get a champion. If you can't get a meaningful champion, at that company who is passionate about what you're doing and on side and going to give you advice, you're not going to close a deal. You, you, you could be that deal that is, yeah, we need a second bid, right? And what you mm. can't afford to be is that that second one that's coming in. Oh yeah, we're just going to keep talking to them because they'll send us in a bid. They're dumb enough, but we're just going to go with IBM or pick big company anyways. So I think being ruthless about where you spend your time and mm. then knowing what matters. And so for us, that was a hard one. And then, then the next one we figured out was, do you feel you want to change the world? There was this intangible tangible, like where they just like, yeah, I need a little better. I just yeah. need it to be a little bit better. Everybody wants a little better user interface. Do right. you really want to knock the socks off your clients and make this your hallmark piece? And so we, we went through and had these lists and we would regularly check in on them. And when we didn't do that and we'd catch ourselves once in a while, it's like, we just spent three months, did prototypes, POCs and crap. It was, so I, I think that's a ruthless part. And that it goes across the whole process. And then uh, sales is more difficult as you scale, right? The entrepreneur mm. has to sell first. I, I hear a lot of entrepreneurs, Hey, I want to, start hiring my first sales guy. You yeah. got to be careful. You know, you are your first salesperson. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're a, a, a super geek and you don't like talking to people, yeah. they need to buy you first. So yeah. I, I, you got to do that. Uh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Get over yourself. Um, the, uh, um, the, 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 you've, you've talked about scale up and I'm, I'm on a rant these days a rant, a focus, uh, a mission, whatever it is to talk more about this magical piece because a lot of the space, a lot of the attention, a lot of energy is given to startup communities. You're one of the leaders of Startup Ottawa, but and we're going to talk about that also because I'm interested in your uh, your work with them. Uh, but what what are some keys to success for you that when company one when when do you know that you're ready to invest in scaling? And two, what are the one or two things again the hacks that you think people are are uh, should focus on? I just I just want to make sure this dialogue stays first first yeah. and foremost with this with not only this conversation but the podcast. So if you can do, please indulge me with that. Yeah. So I mean, and I my doors open to my company, but a, a metaphorical door open on LinkedIn too. And I, so I talked to a lot of startups a lot. Uh, and uh. 
To me, the one thing I think a lot of them miss, and this is the word versus growing a business and scaling a business. Now, you do need to grow your business at some points, but you need the tricky part is scaling your business. And I like mm. that you use that word. And to me, scale, it means a lot of things, but it means catching the inflection points. Yeah. And so um, to me, there's three that I think generally apply to almost every company. And so to me, under 15 people, like 10 people, it's all hands on deck. So I have um, a company spun out of Flick Software, um, GetSheldon.com. They're, they're, they're 10, 15 people. They're doing it all. They're, they're involved in marketing. They're involved in development, the product, yep. everything. Everybody's doing whatever it takes. Give those guys a help, please. They got a little budget. But then you look at like 50 people. Well, that's your first level of middle management. To get to 50, you're going to need a middle management layer. And that can change culture. And then now UI well over 150. That's another layer of management. And so those things you got to think about and how does it affect your culture, but then also how you go after the market changes too, I think. Um, you know, like for instance, us, we, we used to do a lot of service work. Well, you can't scale a product business doing service work. So how do you scale that? And if you don't look at partners and then make that okay with your DNA to embrace partners. So there's scaling is about looking at your business from a much higher level. And I think a lot of companies don't do that. And they'll smack off a glass ceiling, whether it's 15 or 50. And if your company, if you're listening and you've hit 50 or 15, five or six times and drop down to 10, drop down to 40, gone back up, you're missing that scale point. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, so, so important. Um, let's tie into startup uh, Ottawa. What's, what's attractive to you about the startup community model? Yeah, I mean, I think this is where Canada gets the the leg up on the world, right? I mean, we know we have our resources to fall back on, but I think really startups is where um, countries become successful. So I put a lot of my time, a huge fan of Startup Canada, helping out, advising on both the groups, Invest Ottawa here in town. I mean, there's mm. there's the government so badly wants to help these companies, and yes. and there is a lot of help out now. There there wasn't 30 years or 20 years ago, so I think they need to 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 use that. Like if you're built, I run into companies. I'm like, have you reached out to these organizations? And like, yeah. ah, no, I'm just trying to figure. I'm like, you need to. Like, y- you will not. No one is good at everything, and there is so much to learn at every stage of a business. And everybody, I think, a lot of people are willing to help. And if you aren't, please get out there and start helping other startups. No matter what stage you're at, even if you're at two people, you're way ahead of the person that's thinking about it. Yeah. And the person who's just started. If you're 15 people, you're ahead of the two person. There's always somebody to help who's behind you. So I think that's that's critical. And I think we the the water rises all boats right and uh, uh, we wouldn't be able to be here if it wasn't for Shopify and Nortel and a lot of these companies that came along before us and vice versa so so I, I think it's critical to have that and it's I love what you guys that Startup Canada is doing as well so what's the uh, when you're working you say you work and talk with uh, you talk and mentor and help and all the above uh, with entrepreneurs what, do, what are you finding are the is the consistent theme thread or whatever that most of them need to focus in on and are not and if and why aren't they yeah so i think the biggest thing so um the what everybody knows what they do. It's the first thing you ask, what do you do? And then if you're, if you're lucky enough to have enough people in your business, five or 10, you can spend a fair bit of time on how you're doing things. I think they miss that, but you need to figure out how you're doing. I call that on the business, but the biggest one, and I, I, so many companies miss this and it's so critical. And I'll, I'll talk about why Sure, it it is to have your why, right. Um, and and it's something that gets you through the tough times. Like we, we started out as a, as an Android, um, home screen replacement. Well, that market died. 
side, right? With eBooks. So yeah. if our value, if our why was we want awesome eBooks, well, we'd be out of business. Nobody yeah. would be wanting to go, yeah, now let's pivot. We yeah. had a much bigger why. And I also find it helps. Like people will go, I'm trying to hire the sales guy thing. That's the inflection point. A lot of them get stuck <laughs> at that. I need to say, yeah. but they're all making awesome commissions at some big company. The yeah. commissions aren't going to be great early day for the startup. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I'll use the sales guys now. They're making good money. There's lots of sales guys making big dollars. So when you want to hire them, they're not going to come to you because of the money necessarily, the yes. options maybe later. They're going to come to you because they're lacking meaning. And if your why really gives them passion, like I want to fix this. And I don't think people spend enough time on their why. And if you did, it makes everything so much easier. It makes those bumps in the road easier. Um, so I think that's one. I, I think people, and Simon Sedek has a great video. It's a couple mm-hmm. minutes long. It, I, it, I just get the hair back on my neck when I watch that video, even again and again, watch it. It's so important. Yeah, it's it, it's it's actually a TED talk. I think is the one. Uh, it is. It's it all. Is. Isn't it called? It's all about the why. Or I think there is a reference point to that. Getting to your getting to your why. Getting I think. to your why. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> thanks, Jason. Because I was then going to say, okay, what's the best way to get to your why? And I love that you segues Simon Sinek. I mean, that's the guy. He he is the king when it comes to that whole topic. I love it. Um, talk to us about. Uh, about building a team. Uh, how do you, uh, one, and identify the roles that are best needed for your company? I'm, I'm, and, you know, you're talk, let's talk that 15, not necessarily the scale-up folks, the, the, the initial pieces. And, uh, and, and how do you ultimately go about finding them? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, to me, at the 15 number, that's when you've got to start having clear roles and responsibilities. So hopefully many, if not all of your people can make that scale point, but you've got to focus on being the best at what you do. So if, if you're going to go over 15, you need to have a VP of engineering who is going to stand up and own the product and own delivery dates. You're going to need a person who's going to own sales. They have to own each part of the business and you have to have clarity. It can't be all hands on deck. Once you get to 15 people, too many moving parts, too much going on too much that has to run independent. So I would say making clear roles and responsibilities. Again, under 10, it, you will kick the butt out of every 15, 20 person company. It yes. is all hands on deck. It's a jack of all trades, yes. but then it is tough going over 15. If yeah. you are a company full of jack of all trades, which is uh, hopefully you're not, it then it gets harder, but you've got to be really ruthless about that. And uh, I think that's the, the trickier one. And so do you have to change some staff? I know that's a really hard decision, yeah, but yeah. we all know no, it's people, 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 right? Your technology is great. Sure. All that stuff. If you don't have the right people, it doesn't matter. And if you've got the wrong people making those tough choices, uh, I hope and I hope no one of the people have to do that, but give them a role. Let them it own is what it. it is. Get a mentorship. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we invest a lot in that stuff. We, we, we yeah. try and get people support. Um, we send them on conferences. Um, don't be afraid to invest in your people. But yeah, 15 is about clarity of roles. I am, you know, I'm a big, big fan of the New England Patriots and uh, for the obvious reasons, but then there's the behind the scenes obvious reasons. And that has to do with the fact exactly what you just talked about is they understand the key elements to success is, is the, is the team and are willing to move people out of roles for whatever is best for the organization. Um, and I've, I heard a story of, uh, Belichick and like him, love him or, or hate him, but he kicked the guy off the team the day before the freaking Super Bowl because it wasn't in the best interest of the organization uh, and the, ultimately the customers to have that person on the team. So I love that you reinforce that you sometimes got to move on from people. 
Yeah. And, and, and it's tough because a lot of times it's like a family, right? And, yeah. and you don't necessarily have to kick them out of the family. That's the extreme. Right. You can move them, you know, at diff- different roles. But I do think you should think of your startup a bit more and, you know, as a team. And, and you know what, in a high performing team, there's the different tiers of, of who play. And when you when someone comes out of their top tier and goes down, it's, you know, it, it just happens. And I, I think it's it's tough, but you got to do that. I was I heard something, uh, Jason, um, and I want to talk about culture is very interesting and how you build your culture of your business. Um, but I, I heard uh, a strategy uh, that, and I'm, I'm interested in your feedback on that. It said it said that when you're in startup phase, you need to invest in the people. When you're in scale-up phase, you need to invest in the company uh, with with infrastructure and so on. What are your What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think I, I didn't say it that way. That is a way better way of saying it. <laughs> I like that. that was great. Um, yeah, it, it is. I mean, yeah, because you're at scale of people at this point, and the people you, yeah. they've got at this right. stage, they're all motivated. They all want to change the world with you. They all believe in what you're doing. They came on board for the right reasons. But right. if you don't give them the right tools and structure, yeah. they'll just keep smacking off a, you know, off the wall, right? So yeah. you yeah. really need to say, okay, guys, let's let's not hire. We hired a hundred people in one year. Let's not do that again next year. Let's yeah. actually use partners. Let's figure out how that works. But then, okay, but we build beautiful stuff. Are they going to build beautiful stuff? Can we trust them? And then you got to work on the the people part of those changes. But yes. you need a strategy to scale, and it is the strategy is change the people, the people that's, that's looking at the business and spending a lot of time on it. And again, yeah. I think those are some of the things people miss. So really look at your business. Am I at one of these key scale points? And then you need to do things different and communicate it. Like I am very open to it. Guys, this is a big change ahead of us. Here's how it's going to be. Take everyone with you on that journey. Um, whether it's your customers or your staff, if you're not on the roller coaster ride with you, it gets really hard to keep everybody happy. I am, um, uh, as I'm preparing for the next part of this conversation I'm, I'm looking at your name Jason Flick and I'm going to say dude is that a stage name to tie into UITV <laughs> no no but it's, it's it, I, I got, got involved in mobile development early and like, yeah. that's your company name is Flick so my first name is Flick Software yeah. that's such a cool name and then yeah. I'm like I look at my business card and go uh, oh that's your name <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I love it. I love it. Okay. So talk about culture. Uh, that's part of the initial stage of, uh, of, of building a strong foundation and the gel. Uh, what's your, uh, tell us about the culture. I mean, obviously um, you buy into it. I get that. Um, tell us about the culture at UITV. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll go into our culture. I think there isn't such a thing as a right or a wrong culture, but mm. I do think your culture needs to match the market you're going after. And just as a, as a tidbit, I've seen a lot of companies go, Hey, we built this company. Our culture is, let's just say, build the best and the, yeah. the fast or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then, but now we found this new market <laughs> and it's about, it's, and it's, it's way bigger, but it's about selling stuff crappy and, and slow or whatever. Yeah. If your culture is misaligned with the market you're going into, you yeah. will not succeed. So, I do, I do, I don't think there's a right or wrong necessarily, but there can be a wrong for a certain market. And so, so a UI, we're all about creativity. It's about craft. It's about art and science. And so we have uh, core values around challenge everything, be creative, but also build relationships because you can't be a jerk about it, right? If you're just always challenging everything. So, so building these relationships, because you have to trust each other to really do this innovative stuff. So we have these kind of core values, which initially were just nascent and they were there. Took us a few years to kind of just put them on paper. And I wouldn't rush to putting them on paper. 
paper. Um, but I think having them, uh, being aware of them, and then scaling past, you know, hundreds of people, you have to be a somewhat um, uh, thoughtful about how you do it and and don't do things that are off culture. Because you can find um, you're doing something and you're like, oh, that's the obvious right business decision. The spreadsheet says do that. But if it's off brand, you've got to watch it. And I find mm. that at certain stages, people mm. let the spreadsheets talk too much. Mm. And uh, you can't be stupid either and spend more money than you have as a vague example. But you do need to make sure what you're doing stays on brand. And I would mm. say even today, like we have rocket science technology. No one else has built a, a massive stack that doesn't care about the operating system, which means we had to build an operating system. We have tons of this IP. But I will tell you, if you ask our clients, say, we just love dealing with them. They're just fun. They're creative. They actually like who we are. And when, when they come, and it's tough to get people to come to Canada because most of our clients are around the world, you know, and Ottawa is not the easiest city to get to, not, not direct flights worldwide. So <laughs> yeah. when they come here, it's a commitment. It's minus 20 some days. Yeah. So, so that's a huge commitment. But we show Canadian culture. We show who we are. And I'll tell you, those are the big turning points. And you think it's the tech and it's build great things and they'll see it, show them great stuff. But um, I think that's critical. And we our culture shows and people buy in part are buying our culture or who we are, what we can do. So, uh, thank you for diving into that. I, and it is a feel, there's a connection. You like hanging out with those people. Um, and of course, and they, and they deliver also on, on top of that, you just referenced, you have clients around the world. Uh, what's your, what's the most difficult market that you've gone into and what are the lessons that you learned from going into that market? Oh my, uh, for sure. The most difficult was, was Japan. Um, okay. they're such, I mean, they're on the other side of the world. So very expensive to go there, very time consuming, but culturally so different, you know, and, and I could go on and on about the many things, but I mean, I, I would always make sure I was the last person to go in the meeting room because where each person sits is very yes. particular, which side of the table, which order, yeah. how you hand out business cards, but also the part we never, and we did do some business in Japan is, is the meeting itself, which in North America, we have meetings meaningful meetings and we talk about stuff and you come to conclusion. In right. Japan, the meeting is very much um, just an end result of a whole bunch of uh, previous personal meetings in the <laughs> evenings. At, and so we never had those because we'd fly in and land the meeting. And so it was it was not, yeah, there was a lot of awkward moments. Uh, of course. We did some business with Canon. We never scaled that business. Um, we tried to use agents. You can't, when you're at that stage, we were probably like 20 people, then you can't outsource the sales function uh, yeah. outside of even the CEO really to some extent, but certainly not a third party. So yeah, Japan was the most difficult. Um, You know, I I would say Australia, obviously very similar to us. U.S. is not Mm. that different than us. We've Mm. done a ton of business in Latin America. They're so passionate about the stuff that we do. They love user interface. So that's a great one for us. So countries that that are aligned with our values, um, which we want to do beautiful stuff that people love to do. So I think those are our key ones for us. So you you might, those, those countries are ones we focused on first. So I would say for us, there might be different than others, right? What's the, uh, if you were to, you've got 10 seconds to think about it and then answer it. What's the most fun thing about your role uh, within uh, UITV? 10 seconds. No, now uh, it's I, now it's eight seconds. Uh, you know, I, I'll tell you, it's been, it's never changed. And I think it's why everyone does this job. It's, it's the, the variety, right? Um, my guess is most entrepreneurs, and we talked about this in our, in our very quick pre-chat, uh, nobody wants a linear line. Like if I knew exactly where I was going to be in five years, what house, what cars, what, what everything, I would be bored out of my skull. <laughs> I love the fact that it's constant challenges that I own and can control stuff. Um, and at UI, 
I, even now with, you know, over, uh, you know, we've been over 200 people. It's still very dynamic. We're still figuring stuff out. If we get to be 10,000 people, I, it's probably not going to be as exciting a role for me. That's going to be very much, uh, sc- you know, scaling in terms of 2% improvements every year. Not interesting. I want to double, you know, we've doubled in size every year. That meant changing office space every year. Wow. Uh, we just got our own office. I love that challenge. And I, I think if you, if you're in the entrepreneurial business and you want to really scale a, a world-class business and you can have lifestyle businesses that are fine, but sure. if you want a world-class business, you're in for a roller coaster ride of change. And, uh, th- I love that part of it. And uh, I, you know, the end result's always beautiful. And that's why I think it's important. I have to do something I love doing. If you look at our products, it, you know, every one of them you can see has art melted into it. I, I just love to be proud of that too. Jason, uh, again, I, you know, I pressed the button. I said, pa- I said, I pressed the passion button for Jason, and away you've been going for about uh, close to 35 minutes now. And it's been a great, great conversation. It really has. What else are you passionate about that isn't necessarily, and I'll call it your professional life? Uh, wow. Well, I mean, I play video games, uh, so <laughs> okay, that's, good. that's a, that's a, you know, I get, I like to, uh, there are many different varieties and my kids all learn how they can play games. So I, I love any kind of games, whether it be German style board games or video games, cars. I love cars. Um, just, and again, I love the mixture of art and science in that, uh, mm. in that industry. So those are some of my passions. Startups, you know, my business is my passion, which I'm sure a lot of them are too, but I love talking to startups. I, this conversation, I, it felt like five minutes. Yes, so, so totally. Could have gone yeah. all day, and I, so I, I just love that. So yeah. uh, I would say those are the things. Not too many surprising things about where my passions are. They're they're pretty much on my sleeve. I, I, and, and by the way, my friend, in total fairness, I wasn't watching the clock in this conversation. I just happened to have a clock that uh, is watching the feeds on this uh, on this conversation. And I happened to look down. Okay, we've been talking for thirty five minutes as it related to that point. So please know I'm enjoying this conversation too. And, and you know, here's the polite Canadian coming out of me again please forgive me that i checked the clock (laughs) so um why ottawa yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, Ottawa has had uh, a long history in tech, so it's got a big foundation to build from, I think, 80,000 or so uh, tech workers. I love the dichotomy of, of of big conservative, the government, which gives us a lot of uh, safety and security, but then mm-hmm. also our number two industry is tech here. So yes. I think that, which most people probably think it's tourism. Um, I love that dichotomy. Um, I think the, the fact that it has kind of this origins of being behind the businesses, like Nortel was, you know, no one, very few people knew of Nortel, even there was massive, they drove the internet. Shopify, again, people kind of know of it, but it's behind a hundred sites you love. Um, Can Access, you've never heard of, but they run all the the, uh, operation stuff for every automotive company out there. I love that we are very much on Canadian, kind of behind the scenes, and there's a ton of B2B experience. So you can hire people that have run $100 million businesses, and you have access to lots of startups. So a couple of good, great universities here as well. So I I love it. It's, It's kind of a great place to live as well in most yes. countries, most cities in Canada. I mean, it has a lot of things that Canada has in general, yes. but um, yeah, I, I love it here. It's, it's um, versus the U.S., I find people way more committed to their businesses. You know, if you're in Silicon Valley, which is where everybody kind of wishes they were, man, you, you know, good luck building. It takes about 10 years to get a business from zero to success, statistically. Well, good luck keeping your staff in many, uh, in many of those U.S. cities where they're going to get mm. scooped up for way more by the last most recent guy or gal that raised a crazy amount of funding. Um, 
so yeah, I think that's that's a, a big thing for me is it's just the the mixture the the dichotomies of mixtures that are here and of course lots of um, diversity in people and backgrounds and ages too. I, I love it. Um, Jason, I got two more questions for you. Uh, one has to do with your family. You mentioned about your kids and so on. How did you and how did you engage your children in your journey as an entrepreneur? Because we've got you know we've we've got uh, it's one thing I love about the entrepreneurial space. You know, a ninety year old can talk to a thirteen year old with the same dialogue. It's so 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 cool. And so uh, you know, many of us have children. I have three children. Uh, my role, my journey as an entrepreneur, and I you know I've got ways in which I engage with them. I'm curious as to how you engaged your children in your journey as a, 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 a your journey with your companies. Yeah, I mean, uh, early on they helped me with the idea because they showed me just what what tech needs to be like. But I right. mean, my my son loves the technology piece. He loves coming to the office. He loves seeing what's going on here. He just loves the the visualness of it. My daughter though is absolutely going to be my entrepreneur. When she was, I think she was four, <laughs> and the doorbell rang, and someone was trying to sell us something. The door, and she her eyes lit up. She's like, "How do? What can I say?" And she's looking around the house, something she can grab and go across the road. And so, so she loves entrepreneurship. So she's on every week. She's got a new idea she wants to try, and so uh, and she loves to hear about the business that's going on in there. Yeah. Um, so, so my kids lo- love that pieces of it, and my yeah. wife is in the business. She's she brings actually a lot of the art. This we just moved into our brand new our own building, nice. and she led that, brought the the that um, intangible passion and and design into the building because again, if you look at a building, it needs to be you know needs to be functional. But there's a huge art aspect. Um, that we really finally was able to build into our building now that we're at the size we are. So there, it's very much involved and you can't not uh, involve your family. It's too big. It, yeah. If you're a true entrepreneur, it is so baked into every other thought you have that if your family isn't involved, then they're not on the roller coaster ride with you and you can get a disconnect and that, that, that gets from bad results. So I, I said I had two more questions. I actually have two more now. And so <laughs> if you can hold on for, for a few more minutes off for me, that'd be great. What's your favorite movie and why? Oh my, uh, my favorite movie. It changes a lot. Um, it, it, uh, it used to be, uh, the matrix and just because uh, of course. <laughs> I, I just, the fact that there's this level, and again, this comes to these inflection points. I love thinking at a meta level and like, oh man, to not just think that we're whatever, there's all these different uh, levels of, are we being manipulated or whatever, but that we're actually just sitting in a box and we could just be a, you know, an algorithm possibly or whatever. I loved the, the really high level, like, um, thinking behind the matrix and of course good action movie so I would say that's probably my favorite movie yeah that's a, that's a good one and of course a good Canadian is uh, is the lead in it so so yes. that works also what's the uh, who's the entrepreneur that if you were in a meeting with the prime minister of Canada you'd say I gotta go because this guy wants to talk to me or girl Ooh, that's a good one. I mean, I've certainly, you know, the art and science mix piece of who I am is a big part from Apple and what Steve Jobs did for sure. Right. I, you know, he blended that together at scale. I right. don't share a lot of the other values and how he runs his business, sure. but that's certainly a big one. Um, and then, you know, gee, that's a, <laughs> I mean, today it's all media company executives and none of them know how to run software startups. Right. Um, but those are those who ring my, uh, my bell most now. Yeah. 
Yeah, cool. You know, a, a little game you can play with people is is part of your connection with your people, with your your team and family and so on. I, I love playing this game with people, particularly because of how serious they take it. But I always say you're having a dinner party and you're allowed to invite five people. It can't be family, it can't be friends, and it can be somebody that's dead or alive. Who would it be? And it's so interesting the anguish that people go through because they think they're having an actual dinner party and they really go through the process. So to hear your pain, I'm like, dude, it's a question. It's not reality. <laughs> but I it's was so there. Yeah, you were there. You were in the prime minister's office saying, JT, gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. Steve's calling and not Harper. <laughs> Jason, this has been uh, just a wonderful journey, a great ride. Uh, and by the way, a, a definite connection between uh, art and technology for me. You've, uh, you've done a great job living, breathing, and delivering what it is you do. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I know our audience has got great value out of it, and uh, keep on happening, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to resources and support to grow your business? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. 